Welcome, everybody, to the ninth episode of You're Still Doing That, uh, where everyday people can talk about the things they did as a kid that they still like to do today. I am sitting here next to Jeremy Jackson. Mr. Jeremy Jackson, that's right. He goes by a lot of different names than Jeremy Jackson. Uh, we're going to get into all of those. We're sitting right here in the best dojo in town, BBLA, Black Belt Leadership Academy, with the sensei himself, Master Jackson. Say hello to the tens of people that are be listening to this. Well, hello to the tens of people that are listening to this now and many that's going to listen to it later. Yeah, we sure hope so. All right. Um, so, Jeremy, when um, I want to make sure I say this right. Uh, so, do you... Would you say that the, the classes people take here are karate classes? That's a great question. I get, uh, I get asked that quite frequently because, like, you've got the different ideas of, like, what martial arts are. And everybody's got these buzzwords they go right. to, like karate, taekwondo, jiu-jitsu, yep. anything along that kind of lines. So if I, if I get the answer correctly, yes, there is karate classes. Because the easiest way to explain it, you know, there's punching, there's kicking involved, and someone's got something to relate to it. If we want to go more in-depth about, like, the different martial arts styles that's involved with it, it's got a strong Kempo karate base to it. It's got a strong Taekwondo kicking base to it. But then you've also got like the Filipino martial arts, like the Arnis, the Eskrima, and the Kali that's inside of like more of the elite training program. Yeah. But then you'll come into another class and they're on the ground grappling, doing like what looks like um, jujitsu or judo or even um, with the Filipinos, the Dumog that they do with that as well. So I, I almost want to say it's kind of got like a mixture of a bunch of different things into it. Right. Just because of all the training going through. Because like most people see it, they'll see a strong kickboxing art by just by going for, in the kids' class, we call it knuckle up for safety. Right. All right. Versus, you know, buckle up for safety like yeah, we yeah, had yeah. back in the 90s. <laughs> all right. So it's knuckle up for safety. Then we've started adding into um, the program. I just started doing this in the last, like, what is it? eight months under uh, Coach Daryl in California, and we're bringing a Krav Maga aspect into it as well, which is kind of like what the Israeli Special Forces work off of. Gotcha. All right. That's uh, kind of like the long way of answering. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think. All right. What do you tell, what do you tell people they're going to be learning? What's the, what's the word they use? But it sounds like it's a lot of different things kind of wrapped up together it is it's like a heinz 57 puppy dog you know what i mean it's like a mixed breed of all of them and it's all come together because it kind of builds off of like what each person is ready for. oh master jackson is heinz 57 martial arts <laughs> class <laughs> i like that so uh what made you get into martial arts as a youth as a youth oh my goodness so i think i was in like fourth grade and my body was very small and my head was really big. So I got, I, you know, I was the kid that was very quiet. I got picked on quite frequently, uh, tried to fit in, didn't really fit in in a lot of areas where the schools I went to for elementary. And uh, my parents were just looking for something for me to do. And then, and someone told us about this guy. It sounds kind of funny saying it today. It's like this guy was teaching it out of the basement of a church. Right. All right. And it's like, do you want to try it out? And um, actually, I'll back up even further than that. I think I was like in first or second grade. I tried it at this uh, – it looked like a dungeon-type place. And this was in the early like to mid-'80s, and not a lot of kids were doing martial arts. Right. So it was more teenagers. It was more adults, right. kind of like your, um, your karate kid-type yeah. style stuff. So I was like, all right, that was cool. So I tried it out, 
didn't really get into it because it wasn't very – I don't know if it was kid-friendly or if I just wasn't ready. Yeah. Because I remember wearing – oh, I had – do you remember um, the Castle Grayskull ring? Yeah. That had like a little hidden compartment in it? Yeah. My only member of that place I still have is I lost a tooth because it was a baby tooth. Uh, and I put it in there to take it back home to show yeah. mom and everything like that. Put that on a list of things I wish I still had as adults. Right. So, that uh, thing was really Castle cool. Rings. So – and then – so the second time was like around fourth grade-ish. And I was like, all right, let's go try it again. And uh, basically, it was the pastor of the church at Buffalo Church. Yeah. His name was uh, Master Strickland. And he had been in it for years. And back then, I was probably, what, 10 years old? And I swear he was like 80-some years old then. Yeah. And uh, fast forward to <laughs> – I, I don't want to interrupt you, but imagine a pastor, and he's in a church, and – and he's in his congregation. He says, can I get a hi-ya? Right. Hi-ya. <laughs> right. He tells stories all the time, like being in California where he got mugged in like the 50s or the 60s yeah. or something like that. And the guy jumped him, and he took him to the ground and held him there and preached to him right. until the, the, the law enforcement You will listen to up. my message. <laughs> you ain't got nowhere to go. Right. <laughs> um, but as I was going to say, like he's, I thought he was like you know 80 then. And then you fast forward to 2012 when me yeah. and my wife Crystal got married. He was still the pastor of a different church and actually married us then. Wow. We actually were able to pull that from the past into that the That is a nice connection. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so, like, I got started in that class. I was getting picked on. Uh, if we were to play sports, you know, I was the guy that basically, like, all right, you take Jeremy. He's the last one left. Right, right, right. You know, and I was like, I, I, I just couldn't get into it. So uh, my parents took me there the first day. It was a Tuesday night. Class was two hours long. Like, you know, when Owen was doing classes here, yeah. you know, it's like 45 minutes. This was two hours, but it was the same drill. It was everybody from, like, young kids to adults all working together. Yeah. All right? It was a little weird. Like, looking back, it was a little weird, but it worked. But it worked there, mm-hmm. yeah. Awesome. Um, so i got a lot of questions about there, but I'll move on. <laughs> oh, we can keep circling back. I know. We might have to circle back. So i got a lot more questions about the uh, – about the uh, <laughs> karate preacher <laughs> dude i'm telling you he was awesome he was he was so funny back because this is this is old day of teaching right like this is the 80s 90s and i remember i asked a question i was like would that really work and his reply was go put your mouthpiece in yeah we to find out if it right. really worked or not right we don't do theoretical martial <laughs> arts here buddy the power of christ is going to compel me it to did. show you in real life i love it uh that could be a movie it could it's been an 80s movie a preacher that's like like saving his congregation from muggings and all kinds. Or I'm, the rival gang comes through that wants his I'm church. I'm pretty sure that was a theme of almost every 90s martial arts movie. But <laughs> the preacher, it was like the janitor right? or somebody like that. Person you never expect goes mm-hmm. and and saves the saves a community. Yeah, that sure could be a movie. You could like be that. the preacher. They could put you in it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So. Um, uh, we already asked the next question. Uh, I was going to say, what is your style called? But I think we we covered Heinz 57. Because there, there's also another part of it that we added, and I didn't even say this a minute ago. I probably should have dropped this in there as well. Is uh, during about 2014, 2015, I can't remember the exact year, I had gone to a martial arts conference. And uh, this lady was on stage, and she was speaking about her style of martial arts being called skills, S-K-I-L-L-Z. Yeah. Which is usually what I tell a lot of people about our martial arts style as well. Yes. 
is it's got a lot of like uh, child psychology as well as occupational therapy mixed into the martial right. arts, dealing with the left side of the brain, the right side of the brain communicating. Yeah, music it's, does a lot of that too, both sides communicate. Yeah, and it was so great because like I didn't even realize like parts of it and then looking back at the older martial arts, the way they did it actually had a lot of that involved with it and it was like one of those things like they knew it worked but they didn't have like the reasons on why right. it worked and seeing that being brought into it we jumped into that program yeah. and that's where we've been since you've known us here is a very strong child martial arts school right. that was our niche that's what we worked on and with the crowd of god we're bringing the adults back into it nice yeah well i know my son owen um he still talks about i wonder if i should do classes again with master jackson he still brings it up. I got a lot of people that like, you know, because we've been here for like over 15 years now. I couldn't yeah. believe it. And I see so many of my kids that have actually like, I was at the gym like not even like two weeks ago, right? And this kid walks by me and he kind of looks at me. And I looked up at him, which that was the key. Right. I looked up at him. I'm like, do I know that guy? Who was it? Yeah. Last time I saw him was 10 years ago. Yeah. He was like seven. Now he's 18-ish. Yeah. And I'm like. Man, that's like because like you don't see somebody for a while. It's like time hits pause. Yes, I'm still expecting them to look like that. You no, I still do do that with my high school kids that yeah. I used to teach. I still think of them exactly as they were, like back in elementary school. Yep, gotcha. Yep, and they stay that way. Um, so, uh, what kind of things did you have to go through to become a teacher, a martial arts teacher? What did you, what is that? kind of certification look like all right so to start off with this is the 90s it was like trial by fire right all right so what my instructor did it was a summertime and he said hey do you want to teach a class and that was it yeah i got thrown into an adult class i was 16 and it was like only like three adults at lunchtime on tuesdays and thursdays yeah and um it was it was interesting because I felt weird. Now, is this still the the preacher teacher? Oh, that's a completely different martial arts school now because gotcha. he um he got called to another church. Gotcha. And so I was like maybe fourteen ish at the time when he moved, and I was like I gotta find another martial arts right. school. So I went to um it's not even the one that I went to is not even there anymore. It was over by uh the dancers workshop area yeah. where um the Burger King and uh, Bay Breeze's area. All right, so uh let's back up real quick. Uh where 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 is the 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 preacher's class at where does that take place at that's at buffalo church that's here in town yeah, here in town okay you said buffalo before and i i just assumed it was somewhere else well we got the buffalo church here in town a lot of people think about also like the other side of olivia with buffalo yeah, yeah. lakes and i could see how that could get cross all right there. so we're still local we're in we're yeah, still local then still local so buffalo church and then the next one i can't remember the name of the school i think it was called the academy and then the next place, I didn't last maybe six months there. You know, my ego got in the way on that one right there. I went in, I was like the highest belt in the class. Yeah. And uh, I was like, all right, this is kind of cool, but you know, I want something more. Right. And I went to another, if I was at, I started driving, got my car, and I went to the library. Out of all places to go, I went to the library and found a flyer on a martial arts school called yeah. G Force. Oh, and yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, let me go check this out. So yeah. I pull in over there. And um, I meet the instructor, I meet his wife and everything like that, and they got me hooked, all right? So what was cool about it was, like I said, I was coming out of my ego from the last place. Yeah. I, was the, I was the highest belt there. I was yeah. pretty bad, you know, <laughs> even though I was the shortest one. And um, we get into a, a sparring match with this instructor, and I got my hands up. And I didn't realize what I was getting myself into, uh, all right? The guy, the one of the guys went, go, they said, go. And so we started the match. Dude hit me so fast from behind, I felt like, that I turned and looked to see if it was somebody else that hit me. <laughs> I was like, nah, that's a fluke. Let's, let's try this again. Did a second time. He did. It's like, so I end up sticking out with him. His name right. is uh, Sensei George. So with George Denson, um, he was the one that said, hey, 
do you want to teach a class? And I said, yeah. He goes, here's what we're going to do. Adult class, Tuesday and Thursdays during the summertime. Yeah. So I did that. Couldn't do it after school started back. So trial by fire. Right. He says, I'm going to hook you up. We're going to set you at five daycares. I said, five daycares? What do you mean five daycares? He goes, you're going to go to each of these daycares, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, yeah. right after school. 45 minutes and teach and it was a mixture of all ages yeah all right and i started doing that and that's where i kind of like learned by trial and error yes. he told me he says look the kids are going to challenge you they're going to see how much they can get away with that's right and back then i was 16 i knew it all right i wish yeah. i could still remember it um <laughs> but hey, i was like there's no way they're not they're not they're not doing that they, they can't be yeah. and i learned the hard way they did yeah. you know and that's how i kind of got that so then for the certification type stuff, I, I was very fortunate with him. George Denson actually worked on like uh, as a filmographer for Turtles movies, Teenage Mutant yeah. Turtles wow. two and three. But he did some other movies that I can't remember, like another one called like Hideout or something like that. Um, so he got like gigs to go all across the country to record martial arts seminars, mostly right. business seminars. So I got to work in the likes of like hearing like Dave Kovar talk. Um, get to the martial arts super show, went to like all these places to hear everybody share their ideas on how to teach a class. Yeah. And I was like, this is really cool. It's like it brought in like the whole idea of like, you know, getting everybody synergized, getting the whole class doing yep. something together. Then when they're gotten to the right mindset, we can teach them something versus just trying to teach it when they first walk in the door. Right. Because when they come in the door, they're not, ex you know, they're excited about being there, but the excitement's going. It's not the program of it's time to learn something. Yeah, it's yeah. excitement. I'm not doing whatever I was doing at home to get here. Right, right. Or when the other scenario is when they were playing on the, the tablet and they don't want to put the tablet down to go do class, they walk in the door like, well, you got to be here for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got to get them in that right mindset. And yes. I was like, that is awesome. How did karate impact you in your youth? You talked a little bit about elementary. How did it affect you when you got older in your teenage years? So through um, it's actually a whole story of the elementary because when I trained under uh, Master Strickland, you know, he got us involved in the AAU comp uh, AAU uh, competitive championships, however the matches right. are called for tournaments. And so I went to state level, ranked really well there. I went to the regional level, ranked there. Went to the national level, competed there. I think I got like fourth one year and even qualified to go train in or, excuse me, compete at the Junior Olympic right. level. And that got me all the way up until like almost seventh grade. All right. So I'm coming off this real big, you know, excitement. And yeah. I'm like, I want to do something else. And so I transferred because my sixth grade year was actually at J.R. Ingram. Right. All right. And that was before it went to where it's fifth grade. Right. Yeah, yeah. So my parents were like, well, seventh grade year, middle school, we're going to put you somewhere else. And they put me at uh, Grace Christian School. And I was like, well, I don't know anybody there. Yeah. That's what was interesting because after training at Strickland's, I made a friend there uh, named David Markham and Dan Whitley were the two that come to yeah. mind and Jay Callendine. Oh, my goodness. I got three of them right there off the top of my head. And I all think of I sudden, know all three of those fellas. Right? So Dan and Jay were already going to Grace Christian. They yeah. were in my class. David transferred, went there at the same time. So it wasn't like I went in by myself. Right. And it wasn't like, you know, we were the Ninja Turtles walking around the place or anything <laughs> like that. But, uh, you know, it's like, hey, this is kind of cool. And so I've done competed at the Junior Olympic level. And the only injury I ever had was this – I was at a regional tournament, and I was winning the sparring match, right? And this kid goes to kick me. You ever, like, dribbled a basketball or someone passes it to you, and it hits your finger just right yeah, and jams yeah, yeah. it? That's what it felt like to me. It jammed my finger, so I scored my point and backed away. 
my memory says I was winning this match, all right? Maybe it was yeah. different then. I don't <laughs> know. But the referee says, because uh, they spoke Japanese, they're like, yeah. Yeah, so you had to stop, step away. Ippon, Wazari, half point, full point. And um, I remember them going, all right, ready? Hajime. And we started to circle each other. My fingers hurt. I'm like, oh, I'm going to hit him in the head now. He didn't, <laughs> he didn't hurt my finger. I got to get this way. And before anything happened, they go, Yame. And it's like, we both looked at me and the other guy competing, looked at yeah. each other like dumbfounded, like nothing's happened. And the referee lifted my hand up, and I was wearing my buddy's white glove that said Colonel across yeah. it. And it was covered in blood oh, no. because, like, the finger had actually exploded out. It was the weirdest thing off. ever. I didn't feel that part. Yeah. I never looked at it. You know, we didn't see it, so nothing yeah, registered. Yeah. And I was like, what do I, what do, I do about this? <laughs> and so they're like, all right, yeah, I mean, they checked this kid out. They, 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 they looked at his feet to make sure his toenail wasn't too long. Yeah, yeah. And nothing. It was just a crazy accident. All right? So that's not too bad. They put stitches in it. I was fine. So I go to Grace. And I start off my very first soccer tryouts, yeah. which was like a rummage game, a couple mile run, all yeah. this kind of fun stuff. And at Grace, it was the seventh graders and the twelfth graders all on the same team. Oh wow! So I got in front of the guy that could really kick the ball hard. He was a power kicker. Yeah. And he kicks the ball. I don't know if it was. I don't remember if it was intentionally or what it was, or if I just happened to be in the way. And he kicks the ball right at my face. So my instincts kick in. Arm Put your comes hand up. up. Yep. Yeah. It hits my arm. I'm like. Wow, that hurt. Fast forward, my arm is still next to me the whole tryouts. I run the laps at the end of the game. I crawl in the back seat of my car. My mom takes me to see my dad. My mom tries to turn my arm over, and I let out this yell. She says, you got to take him to the doctor's office, see what's going on. They x-rayed it, broke both bones all the way through uh, at soccer. Yeah. I was like, I've done all this martial arts training, never right? got hurt. Here I am playing soccer, and I end up breaking my arm all the way through. Mm. So still went to karate classes with a full cast on, doing right. like my one-arm push-ups because it was like I saw everybody else doing push-ups, and I was like, I can't just stand here and not do anything. Yeah, They're working. I need to work too. So I dropped down and did it. So through my youth, I was like I kept going into martial arts and played the soccer. And about when I went to Georgia school and um, I was talking with him, and he brought out this thing when I was 16 years old. He says, do you want to do full contact kickboxing? I was like. I get to hit people as hard as I want. He goes, right. yeah. He goes, but they get to hit you too. Right. I was like, sure, let's yeah, do this. Make sure you throw up the other arm this time. Yeah, the other arm. <laughs> my good arm. <laughs> and uh, so I got into like full contact kickboxing, went all the way up, got a state title before I even turned 18. Nice. And um, it was a lot of fun. And don't get me wrong, like my first match out, I I wish I could be like, I won every single match, went in there and just totally destroyed in a numb. First match went to the judges' scorecards, and um, the other guy won. Yeah. You know, and I, was, and my, uh, I remember getting asked the question, you know, because, you know, you come out, you, you've been hit. And yeah. They've been hit too, thank goodness. And I was like, did you have fun? I was like, yeah, let's do that again. Yeah. It was good. And I, was, I thought it was a weird question to ask. And so I waited later on to talk more about it. And um, I was like, why would you ask me that question? He goes, well, if you lost, if you didn't have fun, we might not have trained the same way or moved on to something different. Right. But we kept on going with it. So I think I had like four or five different matches that I went through with that. Nice. All right, Jeremy, when did you open BBLA? That's a great question. You want, you want the short story or the good story? You can tell me whichever one you want. I love it. So um, <laughs> my mind is with like every direction with that one. So basically uh, what ended up happening was how Black Belt Leadership Academy came about. So I've had two major accidents in my life, 
All right. One was I was working at Redmond Mobile Homes. All right. Yeah. And they were like, you know, slam packed. And I was still teaching kickboxing class, which was like a remember the Tybo of the nineties with yeah, yeah. Blanks, ha, ha, yeah. right there. And um it was something very similar to that. And I was at kickboxing class one night and I ran up to one of our bags like this out here and we had like a second floor over there on Horner Boulevard. You've got Carthage Street, you got Wicker Street right here, right? And there's this like building right there. It's got this little awning that sits off of it. We had our martial arts in school there. We moved G Force to there called Martial Arts right. America. And I was showing off one night and I hit the bag. I went to jump and grab the top floor and I fell over backwards. Yeah. And my arm gets caught behind me and it goes crack. And I end up breaking one bone and compound fracturing the other. Yeah, because your arm again. Yeah, the same one yeah. too. All right, so I got a metal plate in there now. It kind of helps to fix it. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't really doing much martial arts then. So I realized I was working at Mobile Homes. I was like, Red Mobile Homes. And it's like, man, it got me back into martial arts. Right. Like the guy that bought G-Force moved it to Carthage Street at the time. He says, I'm only doing that if Jeremy comes and works for me. Yeah. I was like, cool, let's do it. So fast forward again several years. I got out of it again. And I'm down training in Aberdeen. I show up one night. This is actually uh, the story I've got inside of my book here too as well. Um, I show up, and I remember riding down there. And I was like, man, I forgot my knee brace because my knee was kind of feeling a little weird. Yeah. And this guy goes, uh, Al, he says, man, I'm a little mad tonight. I need to wrestle with somebody. Anybody want to grapple? <sighs> I've never tapped him out. Okay, fine, I'll go. Yeah. I'm like five foot five, you know, not very intimidating at 155 pounds at the time. This guy's like five foot ten, 210 pounds. Yeah. He looked like a cruiserweight wrestler from WCW. Right, right. Remember those guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he suplexed me over his head. And I rolled over, I got back on top, I'm like, I do not want that to happen again. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he bases out and lifts me up. Now, Back in, like, I love referencing the movies of, like, the 80s and the 90s, all right? If you walk, like, the airport scene where the person comes off the airplane and their loved one jumps at them and blood right. throws their arms and legs around them, gives them a big old hug. If somebody had walked by that room at that very second, that's what it looked like. This guy had picked me up off of the floor yeah. with my legs and arms still wrapped around him. He's going to put me back on my back. And then, whop, there goes my knee. I put my feet down at the wrong second. Uh, you know, tore the ACL, the PCL, the post lateral corner, meniscus disc. Wow. Everything was about popped out of it. And um, I was like, oh, wow, that's not good. I go in and see the doctor, MRI. He goes, you're, you're a professional football player? <laughs> I was like, do I look like a right? <laughs> and I said, I said, no. He goes, well, if you was, your career's over. I'm like, yeah. what does that mean about martial arts, construction, and everything like that? He goes, you ain't gonna do all that again. I was like, I don't like this guy. Yeah. So he put me under. He gets he gives him a first surgery. He said he did not like what he saw in my knee. So he, he moves me to Duke, and Duke actually got me put back together. And um, I was like, let's see what the knee does. So I, I I said to myself during this time, I said this is not gonna be my downfall. Right. This is going to be a stepping stone for something else. And the knee came back great. There's the yeah. only problem I got with it is like I can bend it to like ninety five degrees yeah and that's as far as it goes but if that's my only complaint i'm not complaining yeah it's because uh, you went to duke man that's what it was <laughs> i can't even tell you the doctor's name dr claude mormon the third i can still yeah. remember him he went in and he did like this little test on my foot he goes that's weird and he looked at my chart and all this and i remember him saying he goes if they would have fixed your knee the first time you would have been back five years six years seven years later because they didn't catch this other part on the side Gotcha. And it would have just wore out the, the replaced right, right, ACL, right. PCL. So the knee came back great. 
I'm working in orthotics and prosthetics. I'm basically making artificial braces and limbs for yeah, people. Yeah. And I was like, well, the knee's coming back good. I need to get back into my martial arts more. Never got out of it. Just I need to do more. Yeah. So I talked to my father, uh, who is now my father-in-law, and I was like, well, look, what can we do to open a martial arts school up? He said, well, let's look for a building. So we looked at one over here in Tramway where um, uh, the Sitco used to be at with the U-Haul trucks. Yeah, and yeah. it was owned by Ad, uh, Adcock, I believe yeah, it was yeah. owned it. Little spot has a barber shop down there. They're like, we'll give you 600 square feet, 600 bucks a month. It's like, cool, I can do that. I show up two weeks later, talk to them. I've been talking to them between that. They're like, sorry, we're going to put another barber shop in there. Uh. I was like, whoa, that's not very nice. Uh, so I went across the street to where, uh, what's over there? CVS is over there now. Yeah. And they had like this big, long, like, uh, tramway paint and body. Yeah, I remember that. I walk into this huge building. It's like 2,500 square feet. And it's like, I think it was like maybe $1,200 a month, what they were asking. And I'm like looking around. There's no air condition. There's no heat. Yeah. I was like, Where, where's the air conditioning? Like, well, you can put that in if you want to. That was my, that was my <laughs> first red flag. Uh, I said, well, how does the how does the agreement work? Oh, we just do it month to month. There's red flag number two because yep. then I could be here and don't kick me out at any time. Right. Um, so then um, I was like, all right, we just put off to the side. Then my father-in-law uh, calls me up. Um, he's like, hey, um, what was the name of the place? The carpenter shop in Tramway is about to leave. I was like, the Christian bookstore? Yeah. He goes, no, the the little place like a Lowe's shopping center. It's like a little hardware store. Right. I was like, where is this at? He goes, it's next to Myers. I knew where Myers was, yeah. but I drove by this place and never saw it before. So I came in and it was set up like a little, like um, like, like the True Value. They just opened up yeah. down there, but obviously smaller. And I was like, all right. I, said, I talked to the guy. I said, I heard, he said, yeah, we're leaving. I said, can I get the landlord's information? I reached out to him. They met me up here like, a month and a half later after they had left out saw the building they're like yeah we can do it like what kind of business do you want to run so we opened a martial arts school mostly for kids some adult stuff and they're like we'll do it i said all right i just need some time put some stuff with the bank together get everything in the right direction they says do what you gotta do i called them up two weeks later said hey i'm on track everything's working they said um yeah about that we we can't let you lease yeah. the building we're getting older. It wasn't like a company that owned it. It was uh, two sisters. Right. Their mom and dad had built this place in the late 70s. And they said, we just don't want nobody coming after us if somebody gets hurt. Yeah. I said, but I'll have an LLC. I'll have insurance. Right. We'll have all that covered for you. No, we can't do it. It's like two weeks before Christmas. This is not the Christmas gift I was expecting. Right. And I was like, all right, no worries. I said, well, something comes up, just let me know. So I, I kind of just gave up. You know, January comes by, February goes by. I'm having lunch in the parking lot at uh, OMP at Pinehurst, and my phone rings. And I see, and I look down the little, the little flip cell phones back yep. in the day, and it, it told me the Pinehurst number. And I was like, this looks like the people that did that. So I answered, and they're like, hey, we felt so bad about what we did to you. We were physically sick for a week. If you want the building, it's yours. I said, in my head, I'm like, do I need to tell them that, or should I play hard to get? What am I supposed to right. do with this question? I was like, yes, I do, actually. Listen to do it. I said, I do need some time because I just put everything off. Right. Uh, we did that in February, signed the lease. I think it was in that February, actually, and um, kicked everything off. We opened up for our first classes, I think, in um, February, March, April-ish of 2008. So, like I said, we've been here for 15 years yeah. now, you know, just being a part of the community and – We've had that like quote that goes Black Belt Leadership Academy, making the building a better community one black belt at a time. Right. Now you've done a great job with your numbers here. Uh, how do you think you've been so successful at growing? 
growing attendance through here? Through the school, I, part of it's just been because I've been here since '86, '87, yeah. doing martial arts. Everybody knows that's who I am. I heard a guy at a business seminar say it one time before. This is back in the '90s again, so references change. Yeah. He goes, "When you think about hamburgers, you think about McDonald's." So my goal was, if they, people talk about karate, they talk about martial arts, I want my name to be one of the first right. ones that comes up in conversation here yeah. in town. And that's been one of my key selling points. You know, everybody just knows who it is. I've got kids that bring me their kids. Yeah. I haven't got nobody bringing me their – well, I do have people bringing me grandkids. Eh. But I haven't taught nobody in the 90s that have brought me grandkids yet. So right. I think it's coming. It's not far. If you stick around long enough, yes. it's your gun one too. Um, so what ages do you teach here at BBLA? Oh, my goodness. So we started off uh, – I've worked everything. My youngest child has been two and a half years yeah. old. But that was when we was doing like a three- and four-year-old class. All right, so right now I say the majority of them are about four years old, and we've got all the way up to the adults' classes now. My oldest one, this is great, she was 92. Oh, nice. Yeah, she took my Tai Chi class when I used to teach it at CCCC. Yeah. It, class started at 12 o'clock on the dot. She walked in. She drove herself there, which was yeah. so cool. And um, she walked in at 12 o'clock and 15 seconds. It was always like right after I got yes. everybody on the floor. And um, – I keep calling her Miss Joan, but I don't know if I've got my name right anymore yeah. or not. And I'll be like, you ready to go, Miss Joan? And she's just soft pale and feet. Right, right, go right. ahead, dear, and get started. I'll be right out there. <laughs> That's awesome. That, and I think it's also been about just keeping us in the community. Yeah. Because, like, a lot of, like, martial arts at schools that I was a part of growing up, we stayed in our own little area. We did a couple of demonstrations here and there, but we kind of just stayed inside of it. And my goal was I wanted to give a place for parents to bring their kids where they could do something in the community. Right. So that's where you'll see us like do our back to school drive where we yes. get in like those I come see the guidance counselor and drop yep. off the supplies. No, you do a lot in the community. Yeah, that that one's one of our that's not our it's not our, it's not our biggest one, it's our second biggest one. Our biggest one is feeding our families for Thanksgiving. Right. Cuz uh, our biggest year was 2019. We did all, okay, the, there, here's a story that goes with it. I, I love this story. So we're taking our food and we're delivering to the USC, and there's a newspaper laying out there, and it says Cody. You know how big of a company Cody right. is? Brought in one ton of food. And I was like, man, wouldn't that be awesome if we beat Cody one year? Yeah. We got to do that. I'm going to push next year to do it. So I'm Now, this is your Thanksgiving. Yeah, feeding thing, our families right, for right. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yep. And I was thinking out loud, and um, I asked Miss Teresa, who worked there, I said, how much food did we bring in this year? And I was like, Cody brought in a ton. We probably brought in like 0.75 ton or something like that. Right. She goes, goes, hmm, you brought in one and a half tons of food. Wow. You're telling me we beat Cody? <laughs> All right. Then we fast forward a few years, 2019, we did almost four tons wow. of food. What is it? You got a little tagline, you call it something. Feeding families for Thanksgiving. I thought you had a fun, something like, something about kicking turkeys or thought I remembered you guys had a really genius tagline for We it. had one where we did like a trim the turkey. That was yeah. that like workout we did on Thanksgiving morning yeah. and stuff like that. Um, but I don't recall anything I else that I, 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 I have. That. And don't get me wrong, like I'll be in, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, what's it called, ad lib. Yeah. You know, a lot of times in classes, like, hey, yeah. and if it'll come out that way and people <laughs> run with it, that was great. Uh, yeah, he's uh, Jeremy's been doing a large uh, uh, food drive at Thanksgiving. Uh, where where they fundraise and kids bring in donations and they go to the store and I don't know how many turkeys you go in there and just clear out food lines all across the county. It's it's so much fun. Like I let the food lines know when we do it. So they yeah. got they because like a couple of years they've helped us out so much because they'll actually bring in extra stockers. Yes. To keep putting the stuff on the shelf. 
Because the goal is, once the money is raised and you come to class on Monday or Tuesday, like normal schedule, I basically give the cash back out. Yeah. All right. And the kids get to go with the parents to the store. And what's so cool about it, they've always gone to the store with their parents. They get to push the carts. Yeah. But there's a little different emotion now knowing they're getting the food off of it instead of for them. They're getting it for someone, someone else, else that yeah. may need it. Yeah, it's really great. Uh, he also does a fundraiser for the uh, local schools in the area. We're getting supplies and backpacks and and uh, drops them off at the schools at the beginning of the school year. Mm -hmm. Uh, with no celebration or anything, he just shows up, and says, "Here you go. Here's all your stuff." Yep. Uh, super awesome uh, I charity work. It's so great, and we just started a new one about three years ago, and it's called a Ninja Wrapping Party. All right, wrapping W R A P P I N G. So right after Thanksgiving's over with, I tell all the parents, I say, "We're looking for toys." All right. The idea behind it, the originally was, kids are getting new toys at Christmas, so bring me the ones that are slightly used. Or looks new. Right. All right. And then all of a sudden they're bringing in those, but then they're also bringing in new toys. And remember Pokemon Go? It yeah, was yeah, huge. Yeah. I met a lady through Pokemon Go and she saw me when I was doing it. She goes, I got all these toys I buy throughout the year that go on sale or clearance. She And she brings them up here for us. Nice. So the weekend before Christmas, for about six to seven hours, I provide the wrapping paper, the tape, the ribbons, whatever it is, and the parents and kids come in through waves, yeah. and the kids get to help wrap the presents. Wrap presents to give to others. Right, and we work with um, a couple of local churches. They know the families that need the help, yeah. so I pass it off to them, and it was so funny the first year the guy shows up to pick up the presents, right? Yeah. I, call, I get his number from someone else here in town. I can't remember who it was, and I said, we got some presents. They need homes. Can you help yeah. me out? He goes, sure. He shows up in his SUV. Yeah. I said, we got a lot, so you're going to need a lot of room. He goes, yeah, I got it, no worries. He shows up, and this whole wall that you can see right yeah. here is just lined up. He goes, remember Jaws? You're going to need a bigger yeah, yeah. boat. You're going to need He's a like, bigger car. <laughs> he had to go get two vans with a trailer yeah. to be able to pull all that stuff out of here. Yeah, I bet he was a little shocked when he rolled up. He's, yeah, you saw He's it. like, well, I don't know what I was getting into. Right, you know, like the cow looking at a new gate. Like, yeah. how do I figure this thing out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Um you also take your students out into the public for demonstrations quite a lot too, which I thought was really great for the community to see yeah, what's and going on. I, and a lot of people see it as like a way of like marketing. Yeah. And it does. I, you know, people see us and I constantly keep us out in the public eye. That's great. But my biggest concern is, and this is the way I like to approach it, is I want the kids to take what they do in here and take it out there. Because I've grown up in the past hearing, you know, people that have been or kids for more purposes of this one is like I didn't know I could hit back if they were in trouble. Right. You know, because it's like they're only used to doing it in one location. Yeah. All right. You get out of here somewhere else, it just feels a little weird. So the goal is is to take the confidence that I see them have out here and get them in public. All yeah. right. Because what's one of the worst fears that most people have is speaking in public. Right. Now, granted, they're not speaking. But they're performing. They're performing, yeah. Right? And then all of a sudden, it's like it's not on a stage. It's in a middle of a street. All yeah. right? It's at the Lee County Fairground. It's at Relay for Life. You know, it's at all these places that they actually get out and get in front of it. And I couldn't tell you how many times I've had parents, you know, just have this like – it's almost like a, a – I don't want to say melting face, but you can see that just emotion drop in yeah. their face of like my son would never have been out in front of people like that six months ago before they started training with right. you. And a lot of times I know who they are, and I, I'll surprise them with it. I'm not going to tell them, like, hey, I'm going to get you up there in front of everybody because they'll, yeah, yeah, they'll yeah. shake their head really fast. All right? I'm like, so I called out my one kid. I was like, hey, come here. We'll do the, the catchment drill. And dude just rocks it out there in front of everybody. And it's like he probably would not have done it had I not called him out there. 
but just doing it and he showcased it next time he was like ready to go easier than it was the first time right and it's just that building that confidence yeah and that's great to give kids that performance opportunity mm -hmm. to get out there because a lot of the kids that come in your class probably are not involved in anything that requires uh, to be in front of others they're not and yeah. part of us you know and this is one of the things I loved about what I heard from Melody Schumann she's the skills person that put that program together you know and she's like a lot of us as we get older are judged on our performance ability in front of people when we get into the workforce and things like that so we might go ahead now and start trying to like peel that tape back just a little bit so it's not as painful as they get older with it and it just makes it so much easier yeah um, what class gives you the biggest physical workout the biggest physical workout. Oh, that's got to be my youngest kids class. Yeah. You know, the basic class, the four and five right, year olds. Right. Um, because, well, four, five, and six year olds. Because I feel like I got to put so much energy into that yes. class because they're giving me so much energy as well. Right. Um, and, and that's probably more of a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Aerobic workout because yeah. you're constantly just trying to move and then get them to settle in for a second and then move. And then if I want to go for more like, um, a physical workout like hands-on type of stuff it gets more into our elite class the ones that are going for their black belts yeah you know because they're doing like the grappling the catchment drills and I'm always this I've always got this belief I held for me is like I want to help be the example you know I grew up in a time was where it was like do what I say yes not what I do right right, right? and I'm like it doesn't that doesn't add up anymore yeah, I've always found that to be the same too you yeah. got to be able to do as you you say as well right and I mean there's nothing wrong with someone that's had the experience that can't do it anymore to help guide and teach but you know I still want to have my boots on the floor so to speak mm -hmm. and I want to be out there with them showing them we can do it and it was so great I got one kid I don't know how much he's playing with me or just messing with me about it he goes I'll tell him how old I am you know I'm 45 now he goes there's no way you're like 32 or something like yeah, that. Yeah. I'm like, I appreciate you kissing up here just a little <laughs> bit. Come on, dude, like 18. But it's like, you know, still being up there to stay moving like right. I am. I want to keep that going. I want to. It's like fighting the age thing for as long as I can. Yeah. I'll, I'll, my next question, you might answer the same same way. I was like, which one gives you the most mental workout when you got to teach them too? The most mental. I still say it's that four or five. And yeah, six I was gonna say yeah. that definitely. I know for me, teaching music. Uh, like the, the younger kids take the more uh, headspace drain to go through, and a lot of times the more physical too. Yeah, because like they're because they're challenging. Yeah, you know, a lot of people are like, "How do you get them to do what you want them to do?" It's like one of the questions I get asked yeah. a lot of times, and it's like you're missing what I'm doing. All right, I am trying a thousand different things at one time, and when I find the thing that works, I run with it. Yeah. And some days this technique works like everybody to get to a wata is what I call it. Yeah. So they go to one knee and sit. All right. At five and six, four, five and six year olds, they don't have that core stability to sit up for very long. So we'll go to the next sitting position. So it's constantly like from the outside perspective, it could look like it's just always working. But it's really trial, error, trial, yes. error, run, run. Here it yeah, goes. Yeah, yeah. Like one of my favorite techniques I use for younger kids classes is we got bags and uh you know the mind doesn't really process negatives so if i tell them don't climb on the bag all they hear is go climb on the yes, bag exactly so you know tell them all right i need you to get two feet on the floor make sure you're standing here so that way it's very precise but if they do start climbing on the bag one kid does it then two kids do yep. it now i got the whole class doing it yep. so if i already know that that's going to be the outcome let's play with that so what i'll do is all right we start climbing bags all right everybody go climb on the bags all right now hold still let's get your picture really fast click click Back to synchronization. We've got everybody doing the same thing together. Right. All right, everybody, back to the black line. Then everybody goes back to the black line. It's the old analogy is like herding cats. You yes. know, we just kind of get them going in the right direction. 
and just be able to maximize that energy in the right direction at the right time. Yeah. Now, most people don't realize when you're teaching young kids, it's you plan for if you've got a 45-minute class, you've got a good hour and a half worth of material. Right. Because <laughs> you don't know how quickly you're going to start rolling through stuff. And you got the backup plan, yep. on the backup plan, mm -hmm. on the backup plan. It's like when we do our birthday parties here, and I get kids I've never met before having their birthday here. And I'm like, are they going to listen to me? They don't even know who I am. Right. But it always works out because I got, like you said, I got a list of games in my yep. head, wrote out to know if this one doesn't work, we're going to this one. If this yeah. one works, we're staying there for a while. Yeah. All right, so that stops working, we're going to the next one. <laughs> and then if you got a few kids that know you, the rest are going to just follow along as soon as you start shouting out. Yeah, because so. they start to realize, like, I'm missing something. He wants me right. to do that. Yeah, they'll just they'll follow right in line, especially the younger ones. It's, they just <laughs> and sometimes it's uh, sometimes they're much easier than the older kids to teach because the younger ones will just follow whatever. I learned yep. that the, a fun way um, back in 2010, 11, somewhere in that area. I was at uh, Tramway Elementary, and it was so entertaining because like I got uh, I'm not gonna say I started it, but I, 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 I when I say started it, I mean like here in Lee County, and it's the clapping thing. One, two. Three, four, five. Yeah. You know, and I figured out along the way, and probably I heard it from someone that said it. it's like if you can get five people doing it in a crowd, and then do it a second time, now you got fifteen doing it. Yeah. Then you do it again, then you got fifty doing it. That's right. And eventually, it just gets caught on. Yeah. And that's how I try to use that same um, methodology with teaching the classes. Because if I get the few kids doing it, get more kids doing it. Yeah. Mirror neurons, they want to be like their peers, and it just works out so well. So, what do you think sets your uh, what dojo. do you think sets your studio, your dojo apart from, say, others around the community? I mean, everybody's got their own niche that they want to work with. So, you know, we've got a couple of jiu-jitsu schools that do a great job on what they teach. We've got a Taekwondo guy here in town that's been here since 95-ish. Yeah. All right. Uh, you got G-Force that's still here doing some of the things that they've been doing. I love the tradition that they keep with it. One of the things that I love to bring into it with our martial arts school, one is the skills program with the occupational therapy as well as child psychology built into it. But then we had, you know, COVID come through of 2020, and I saw something happening. And I was like, what am I going to be able to do to better be prepared to handle and work with my kids right. and my parents when they come back? So I went through a couple of different programs getting um, – my master's through the spirit, the uh, University of Spiritual Sciences. I got a coaching uh, program through Unbeatable Mind, through Mark Devine, this uh, right. out of Navy SEALs. And so a lot of it comes back using those mindsets that we picked up from that and bring it to the classes. Now, that's just one part because that question also goes into everything else we were talking about with feeding the families for Thanksgiving, being involved in the community, giving them those ideas, you know, of what they can do. Some places yeah. are really big into competitions, taking their kids yeah, off yeah. to tournaments. That's great. I love that. That's what some people are looking for. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. Yeah. That's fine. But if you stick with me and do the program, you get to see the results that you're looking for. Right. Yeah, because you guys don't what, compete, do you? We don't. We do yeah. a lot of like inner school competitions of stuff like that where they're competing with each other in the yeah, classes. Yeah. yeah. But I can't be everything for everybody. Because yeah. one of the things that we have changed since Owen's been here with what we do inside the classes used to, if you'll remember – way back it was like every three months ish they would go for their new belts yeah yeah I remember. all right we got rid of all that all right so they still do their eight stripes but now what happens is after they get their stripe the stripe doesn't mean they know the technique the stripe means you have seen the technique yeah all right now you got at least one week of holding on to that stripe and you're eligible to earn your smiley face for it all right if you get all eight stripes all eight smiley faces at your next class you get your belt 
Right. All right. So some kids progress through their belts every 10 to 12 weeks. In the lower ranks, is easy. Higher yeah. ranks, sometimes three months, sometimes four months, sometimes five months. It depends on how fast they want to get the material. So instead of trying to get rushed through it, some people, some weeks we'll have classes where we'll have five, six, seven, eight people get their new belts. Uh, right. We'll have a few spells where no one gets belts for a couple of weeks. Right. So this way you can progress as fast as you want to or take your time to make sure you've got it. So if they get their star on their stripe, star means you got it down a little bit, but you still need a little more work on it. Right. So that way they're actually knowing, and you can get a form to see exactly what you got to work off of. Here's your checklist. Check this, 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 this. Everything's checked off. You're good. Next rank. Here's your next checklist. Yeah. Uh, what are your future plans for BBLA? That's a great question right there. So one of the things um, we've been working on with the martial arts school here is the first one is I got to say our Krav Maga class. You know, like one of the things that I've really loved. Can you explain what that is? Of course. So basically it's a system that's breaking out of strict, I, I say strict, of basic self-defense. All right. right. And it's more, I, I hate to use the term realistic, but that's what it comes yeah. down to being. You know, what it's like uh, self-defense evolves over the years. Like this is so funny. So I'm doing a presentation. I was supposed to get 30 minutes for my presentation at the enrichment center yeah. for seniors. And um, they had another guy in there from the sheriff's department who's even longer winded than I am. <laughs> right? And he's up doing his talk. And I'm standing there, I'm like, all right, they about to start getting their food. And there was this joke, like, you just don't stop people from getting their mashed potatoes. Right, right, right. All right, they're going to be hungry in a second. All of a sudden, Lee goes, I'm so sorry, you're only going to get like five minutes. Yeah. I was like, okay, that's not a problem. I know, I can play with it. So I get up, and the way I teach it is, is off the idea of like, okay, if your kid in class has a stomach ache, and they come up to you and they go, my stomach hurts, but their hands are on their head. Yeah. Something doesn't seem right. All right. Or if when they fall in the parking lot and their knee hurts, their hands go to their knee. So the hands automatically goes to where pain is right. at, especially for the uninitiated or the untrained. All right. So I'm explaining. Someone grabs a hold of you. They grab a hold of your throat. Your hands are going to immediately go here first because you're freaked out and that's where the pain's at. And you're trying to get rid of that imminent threat. And I see this guy. I swear, from where I was standing at, this man, like, eight foot tall, yeah. probably in his 70s and whatnot, <laughs> and I see him raise his hand, but I'm right in the middle of my spiel, so I keep yeah. going with it for a second, and my dude stands up, he goes, I got a question. I said, yes, sir, what is your question? He goes, I was in the military, and I'm like, oh, boy, I already know where this is going to be a lot of fun. Give it to me, give it right. to me. And he goes, that's not how they taught us. You know, they taught us when as soon as someone grabs you, you kick them and then you punch them and you hit them like this. I was like, right. and I said, yes, sir, and I appreciate you sharing that with me. And with the military, you got all this training to keep reinforce that. I get five minutes, but I appreciate what you offered there. Thank yeah. you. And just kept moving right along. You know, because, like, it's true. You know, if I've got the trained and we can train long enough, we can go into that. Yeah. But, you know, techniques evolve. How people defend themselves versus how the attacks happen, we yeah. want to be more up-to-date on what works because it's like the radar versus the radar detector. You know, As the radar came out, they're like, hey, we need to figure out how to beat that. So they got the radar detector. Then they're like, all right, we got to figure out how to beat the radar detector. So they got something that comes out on top of that. So as people learn to defend themselves one way, the group that's doing the attacking is like, okay, well, they're going to defend themselves this way. I need to attack this way. I heard a case study about um, – this one particular prison system had just gotten a new, uh, like, armor gear to wear for maximum security, right? Right. And all of a sudden, there was a, a riot in the yard. So they put the response team together. They got the new armor on, went out to the yard to separate everybody and get them going. What they missed was, was all these people had stopped the fight on the outside, and they were just standing there staring at them, watching. 
And what they were looking for was all the chinks in the armor. Yeah. Where the easy spaces to hit at. So that way they could do their striking. And the same thing happens now. When we learn to fight one way, we learn to defend ourselves one way, people will recognize that. Like, well, I don't want to get caught by that. So the techniques have to evolve. And that's what my understanding of Krav Maga is, is always evolving the self-defense techniques to work better for what's happening now. Gotcha. I got a goal of what I want to do with it because this, this still ties into your question about what are the future plans. We want to launch a couple of programs with the Krav Maga classes where we teach kids that are getting ready to go to college. All right, It's fun saying that kids, but teach kids that are going to college. Take them for you know a three-hour training on a weekend. Yeah. You know, Do something bigger later if we can. You know, like how to defend yourself, how to be prepared. You know, Just recognizing like certain indicators of yeah. what it looks like before an attack happens so you can neutralize it. Mm. Versus, you know, obviously we want to know what to do if we are attacked, whether we're on the ground, whether we're standing up, whether our back's against the wall. And that's one of the things that we want to build off with that program. I want to help kids that are like going like, you know, the transfer kids yeah. that go from elementary to middle school, from middle school to high school. You know, if we have like a program that we can do every summer that builds off of that to help them just go into it, not because we believe they're going to get attacked. But, you know, when you have that belief, that confidence in yourself that you can take care of yourself. It's less likely it's going to happen. Exactly. You're not yeah. the victim that's getting looked for. And the aggressors will see that, too. They see the confidence. They see the confidence, but yeah. they also realize that with that kid comes a bigger challenge. Yeah. You know, they want to keep their confidence up, the bullies I'm talking about here yeah. that take it. They want that weaker target. Because let's say they take the kid that knows how to defend themselves and they attack this kid. All right? And they win. We're talking about the bully. All right, but they take a beating in the process. Right. All of a sudden, it's like Iron Man too. When um, Dechenko, the guy at Whiplash, yeah, you know, he showed that uh, Iron Man could be beat. He could bleed. I think is what yeah. was said. All of a sudden, it makes it look weaker, and the bully looks weaker. They don't want to take that away from themselves. Yeah. All right, Jeremy. So now we're gonna move on to a little more fun, uh, fun, questions. fun questions. All right. So the biggest question I think a lot of people want to know is: Have you ever had to use the, the the techniques and instruction you give here in class. Have you ever to, ever to put them to use in real life? I have. All right, and sometimes they worked out exactly the way they were planned, and other times they didn't work out so good. <laughs> you know, uh, there's there's two situations that come to mind. If we can talk when I was like a kid, when I first went to Grace and whatnot in seventh grade, and it was like the my my soccer coaches before my arm got messed yeah. up. He goes, we've got a junior Olympic, you know, competitor here on the team that does martial arts. I'm like, don't tell everybody that. Now right. everybody's going to want to take a swing, yeah. and we're going to see how bad he is. You know, I was like, all right. So I had like the whole – it felt like so many people just trying to challenge me up on that one. And um, the first time that I really remember having to use a lot of my techniques or use one technique was I'd gone to visit a friend of mine, and I'm sitting in their driveway. I'm in my car. I got the window down. I'm 16. And I heard like a commotion off to my side, and I see this guy come stumbling up the street. And I was like, okay, that's cool. I went back. I got my music playing Pearl Jam or something like that on cassette. And uh, all of a sudden, I look up, and the guy's at my window, and he reaches in and just grabs me by the throat. All right? In our martial arts class, you watch – or martial arts trash. In our martial arts class, you see the mm -hmm. movies where, like, you reach over the hand, you peel the hand off and pull right. the arm into an arm bar. So I got the door between me and him, and I'm like, I got to pull the arm off. So I went to pull – I went to pull – I couldn't pull his hand off. I'm like, this technique didn't work. Yeah. I was like, I got to do something different. So, you know, open the car door to push him off. Uh, the second time I remember having to really use it was being out with a group of friends at um, a little place here in town called The Mix. Yes. And uh, you remember that place? Yeah, yeah, I do. Long time ago. Yeah. And um, 
all of a sudden, um, this guy had, like, uh, had tried to kick me in the head while I was on the floor doing, like, a little breakdancing move thing. And I didn't even see it. And all of a sudden, something else happens, and he comes out onto the floor, and he goes to swing at my head. Two punches. I remember that much. I remember ducking once, ducking twice, hit two shots to the stomach, leg kick, and then the crowd separated right. for the rest of it right there. And I'm like, it's like, what was going on? So, yeah, have I had to use them? Yes. Sometimes they worked out great. Sometimes it didn't work out like it was supposed to. Right. But that's why with the techniques, you're always supposed to look at it as like the technique didn't work. We just didn't use the right one at the right time. Yes. Well, I think a lot of people in the area probably know they're not going to say anything too mean. The Jeremy Jackson, your name is <laughs> quite associated here now. <laughs> I do remember when my son was here one day, uh, somebody, I don't remember, they came in off the street and it was in the middle of class. And I don't know why they were upset, but they sure were upset. And you came up and said something to them, and they were really mad. But then you grabbed one, like you grabbed their arm, and then you grabbed like their shoulder and turned them around and then walked them right out the door. And I got all excited. I was like, I'm going to see it. I'm going to actually <laughs> see them in action. I was like, it's going to be nuts. But no, and whatever it is, they, they calmed down. I don't even know what it was, but they walked right in off the street. And it was, and if you've never been in BBLA, it's not terribly big, but you can stick 15 or 20 kids in the back. But the parents sit um, right, and they're in the same room with you. And there's some benches, and so they can watch everything that's going on, which I think is great too. Um, but I mean, it was slammed with parents because Jeremy's classes are full. Yep. Um, it is a lot of kids, and so there's a lot of parents sitting around and watching all in one space. And uh, yeah, you just. just uh, took that person, walked him right out super fast. And most people, you know, when there's a commotion starts, most everybody turns and looks and gets nervous. Like, what do I do? Yeah, like, what do I do? What do I do? We're not prepared. If you're not prepared yeah, for the situation. Yeah, you're not sure what, what's going on, what's going to happen. But uh, not Master Jackson. Boom. Uh, said, said, hey, we need to go outside. Grabbed you got him, grabbed him on two points, spin him around. And just they were out the door before they knew what to do. And that's the thing about it. Like, I love what I heard that guy. It's like a, a military guy said this, like a general sergeant or whatnot. And he said something on the lines like, if you don't know what to do, you'll always go back to what you've always done. Right, exactly. You know? So that's why I love the martial arts, like the self-defense aspect of it. If you don't know what to do, at least you've got a plan on what you can do when a situation like that comes up. Because anytime my kids, and that's what I call everybody here, yeah. it don't matter if you're two years old or 90 years old, you're one of my kids, basically. Yeah. If they're in danger, I'm going to be the first to step in to kind of get them out of it and put me in the way as yeah. best we can. Like, you know, we had that um, the thing with the Christmas parade back in like 2016, yeah, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it happened. And I remember we were walking down the street and had all the kids with me. And this car pulls out of where the old BB&T building, the Simpson building's at now, yeah. right? I'm like, where are they going? And then we found out what was going on. We never heard anything happen. We never heard the shots, right? Yeah. But we found out. And I'm like, well, we can't. There's nothing else we can do. So the goal was keep all the kids together in the middle of the street, make sure we're all moving in the right direction, and don't let nobody get crazy and panicked out. Yeah. And we made it all the way to the end because there's nowhere else for us right. to go. So anytime something like parade, that, yeah. exactly, you know, you just got to keep moving forward. Because if everybody dispersed, it was with our kids or whatnot, I wouldn't have any idea where nobody right. was at, no, no one control. else would know anyone was at. Exactly. So we were safe. We moved it all the way through and made it with no problems. Yeah, I remember waiting because Owen was with you. He was, that, yeah. yeah, and so the family, we were about midway through the parade route, and we were waiting, watching for the for uh, BBLA's little trailer and stuff to come down. 
With our lightsabers. With the lightsabers. We've got to have yep. the lightsabers. Yep. That was <laughs> Owen's favorite. It's the only reason I think he wanted to come to the parade, because he'd get a lightsaber. Well, you know why we use the lightsabers, right? <laughs> you can see them. I can see every yep. kid of every mine know exactly yep. where they're at. <laughs> and so we're waiting, we're waiting, and uh, and then you hear it starts going through the crowd. Uh, there was a shooting. There was a shot going down, and we're like, what? We haven't seen. haven't seen. And so my wife instantly wants to go down there, but we can't because the police have now started setting up stations around the corners of the parade route to not let anybody drive down or run down. And so my wife is starting to panic, and I was like, Chrissy, don't worry. said he's with Master Jackson. I was like, it's probably the safest float to be on <laughs> in the entire parade route. And I was like, just we're going to go back to the church where they meet. He's good. He's not going to deviate from the plan. He's going to know where parents want to get their kids. They're going to get everybody that spot. We just got to figure out how to get through traffic to get back to St. Louis Church. Yep, and um, sure enough, that everything was fine. It worked out perfect for us. All right, uh, the next question everybody, I think, wants to know about you is how long are you going to grow your beard? Oh, man. You know, so, okay, <laughs> so the whole beard started off with the idea, because if you remember correctly, all I had was that little piece in the yep, middle, like the ghost sure did. right? And Mr. Neal, he had the comics run up in um, Chapel Hill, Durham area, yeah, yeah. and they were going to do like this thing where people donated their hair to um, – I can't remember what it was for exactly. But, you know, you grow your hair out very long right. and you shave your head off. Locks of it. love. I think that's who yeah, it was for, locks too. Of yeah. love. I was like, well, I'm not growing my hair out on my head, but you yeah, know you're what? a little hair challenged with me. Yeah, I was as well. Very much so. <laughs> I got like the, I always thought about it, you can't grow grass on a busy highway. You That's know right. I got a lot of thoughts happening. <laughs> so I was like, I'll grow this out. It'll become a little piece, and then I'll shave it off for like you know people can like raise money up for me to yeah, shave yeah. it off. All right, so that didn't happen. So I kept it going, and then I was like, all right. Then all of a sudden, I think it was like what 2021 20, or something like that. Like, well, let me grow the sides a little bit. Let me grow a little bit more. And it just kept on going. Yeah. And I don't know how I got this. Like, people have asked me, like, do you dye the middle of it gray in the right, middle? Right, the gray streak. I don't. It just happened to come no, out that's exactly the gray right there. Yeah. yeah, until my dad sees it. And he goes, what would you do, eat a raccoon and the tail yeah. didn't go down? I'm like, oh, no, squirrel. He said squirrel. <laughs> squirrel, yeah. I was like, no, nah, it's just the way it rolls. So, yeah, um, I actually took it and got it trimmed in October. They took, like, four inches off yeah. of it. All right, and then it grew back really fast. I was about to say you could never tell. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how much further it's going to go. I, I will say this much though: for training purposes and running, it's aggravating. I, I'm about to say I do like it when you tie it up uh, like a braid. Right? I do. Uh, when you do that, and I was like, that you cannot get more martial arts than that look right there, uh, man. It's the old, it's the old masters, you know, where yes. they had it and they flicked it to the side. And they flip it to the <laughs> side like Kill Bill style. And he's like, yes. <laughs> And it's all tied up. I said, you can't get more martial arts than that, man, when it's all tied well, up. Well, one training coach, he's like, man, you got that beard going the way you do. You'd like you'd be like a Mortal Kombat boss yes. or something. <laughs> right. Exactly. We call you the bearded dragon, The bearded man. dragon. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's going to be your preacher name when you start the movie. The movie is Bearded right? Dragon. Bearded Dragon. That'll be the title. Uh, um, what's your favorite style of martial arts to do? Oh, man. Um it's such a great question because the idea, you know, like to do. So, like, for, like, practicality, for self-defense, I love the Krav Maga. Yeah. All right? For a great workout, I enjoy the grappling with the judo. Yeah. You know, for, like, um, more of a flow state where it's, like, a common relaxing, it could be, like, the Kung Fu or even the Tai Chi. Yeah. You know, because, like, a lot of people see those styles. I love what my one coach said about it. He's like, every martial arts style that has survived, survived because it was doing really great at the time it was devised. Yeah. You know, so, like, maybe today it doesn't work 
in the ring, you know, but it wasn't designed for in the ring, you know, so it was designed for something else. So like, I love the Tai Chi, the Qigong and the Kung Fu because it relaxes the whole body. You know, yeah. it's like one of those things like the body and mind becoming one with the spirit type idea. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's easy to say, but you know, it's learning like in the extreme class. Now we do a thing called the big four mental toughness, which is breath control, positivity, visualization, micro goals. And they have to learn that, but we learn that under a stressful thing. And it's learning how to take the mind and basically drop it into the heart. And when you do that, the mind slows down. It calms everything out. And a lot of people today, I believe is finding and trying to fight to get that calm mind right and doing those movements has been one of the things that i go to to just kind of like take that breath in that goes right into my next question Love about that. trying to to overcome uh, the pain or the mental block and to bring it down your heart how do you find that running and martial arts go together so the running at first did not go with the martial arts at all that was actually, I took, uh, I was doing health fairs. That's how I built the school up in the beginning. Yeah. I was at every health fair. And I even told the people at the health fairs, like at the companies, I would call them up, like, I do Tai Chi for adults. This is what I want to do. Cause I thought that's what yeah. would get me in the door. And it, every time I got in the door, they were like, uh, no one talked to me about Tai Chi. They were talking about their kids doing karate. Yeah. So the very next year I was like, all right, let's do their karate again. So uh, I said, we do kids karate. Here's what we do. They said, come on back. You had a great time last yeah. year. So I'm at one health fair and they said um, the Civic Center and they're drawing blood on everybody to do like their HDL, their CDL, their cholesterol, yeah, yeah. CDL, I said driver's license, <laughs> um, triglycerides and all that. I was like, sure, I'll do it. And I got it back and my numbers were not good at all. And I was probably what, 35 at the time. And um, I talked to my buddy, uh, Chris Canoodle, the goat, the guy yes. started. Yes, yep, I do, yep, I know his name too. And uh, still talk to him today, man. Yeah. yeah, I talk to him like every couple of weeks. And um, he goes, well, you could run, but my knee, yes. I, I don't run. This, this doesn't work very good. I tried to run, and I had drop foot syndrome, yeah. where the tibia anterioris wouldn't let my foot lift up. But for so long, it would just go and just fall over. Right. And uh, he got me into running. I Yeah, he could show you how to run properly, I'm sure. He did. He worked with me in the Vibram Five Finger Shoes yep. and then eventually to Luna's. And the way I looked at it was how I started cross-referencing the training on it was if I'm as close to barefoot as I can get, that gives me stronger ankles. It gives me faster reflection time of when my feet are on the ground. I can feel the response to move off of it versus always having like the padding under my feet with shoes or whatnot. So that's kind of how I cross-reference it. And then the second way I look at it is like, I was just telling the kids in the class last night, if I'm standing over here and I got a guy coming down the hallway to challenge me right there, and this ain't a good time to be fighting, we can run to get out right, of this you can to run go to get out. the next step. They're not going to catch me. Especially yeah. if I keep going those big miles, you know what I'm saying? And then, <laughs> but the mental toughness with running is you go and you start running and, and depending on your physicality, your brain's going to say, what are you doing? Stop, take a breath, stop running. And but if you get that mental toughness trained enough and you get your breath control that martial arts teaches you, then you can just learn to pace right through. You can't. And it's, it's also it's also the mental toughness. But yeah. I feel like it's also emotionally toughness yeah. because, you know, I was told I've learned this in the last like six years. I believe it was like after a big run, you know, like, you know, like the, the endurance state races or whatnot. Right. Don't set yourself up the next day for emotional decisions because you had to make so many emotional decisions yes. to keep yourself running that your tank is just kind of drained dry. But you're correct. All of that works out of like with the martial arts, with the mindset of being able to compartmentalize that pain 
to play it off to the side. I'm not talking about an injury where my foot's on backwards. Right. You know, just the aches <laughs> of like, I really don't want to be out here. Right. I'm tired. I yeah. want to stop. Yeah. I could go home. And, you know, if we can learn to overcome those hard decisions, you know, all of a sudden the the other decisions that would have seemed to be hard are now easier. Yeah. You know? And a lot of that really takes place inside of that mindset and i believe that's the unbeatable mind they talk about that they go into like the worm which is witness interdict redirect maintain the yeah. witness is seeing here's something about to stop me interdict we're going to change course redirect it we get on the course we need and then the maintaining keeping that course going until something else tries to pop up to take you off of it and it goes back to i believe heart coherence dropping the thoughts out of the mind into yeah. the heart so teaching all these classes, do you ever have to do personal workouts or do they keep does the classes keep you in good shape? I really wish I could say the classes keep me in good shape. They keep me active. They yeah. keep me moving. All right. But I do have to do my own personal workouts on the side because that's kind of my release from it all. Right. Because teaching the kids, that to me uh, or even the adults, I say kids, like I said, everybody here's my kid. All right. The teaching part of it is kinda like my reward for everything else that I get to do. You know, because, yeah, I enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. I wouldn't have been in it for so long if I hadn't enjoyed it, right? You know, there's some days that it's kind of like, oh, my goodness, I got to do this again. I can't yeah. say every day's perfect. Right. All right? But it's definitely a reward. You know, when I see kids get it, when I see them, you know, like I mentioned earlier about how the structure of the program goes now, where they're actually coming up in between classes asking me, hey, can you help me with this technique? Can you help me with that? And that to me means so much right there. When I hear a story about one of my kids, you know, um, Parker, he's, he's gone into being the Coast Guard now, you know, where I heard that some kid jumped on his back at school and he just basically dropped it yeah. and uh, didn't have to do nothing else. And he tells his dad about it because he thought I was going to be mad at him for doing a martial arts move on a kid right. at school. And I was like, no, that's when you needed to use it. Right. And I loved his quote. He goes, it was easier than he thought it would be because – in here, it's harder because everybody yeah, knows, everybody what, you're knows what you're doing. Yeah, everybody knows what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. And I think part of that mental calmness comes from putting yourself under the stress of the different drills in the classes. Yeah. Because then you kind of raise that minimum of what will stress you out. Yeah. And uh, you can't say enough for how much uh, practice means. If you practice it enough, then when you get nervous and frustrated, you can still still go right through the technique it's like all of a sudden the body just takes over and yeah does what you it put your to. time into it yeah you can't um there is no substitute for hard work and practice <laughs> that will stay true forever uh now your wife crystal does she do any martial arts as well she is actually she got certified as one of the first um fight like a girl instructors here in north carolina she actually has her black belt also under uh shashira and akala who is our instructor for like uh, modern our niece and kali is yeah. fighting which is our stick fighting she is awesome i made a mistake one time she's like her dad <laughs> is also a martial arts instructor that i trained under her as well which is really cool all right and i made this and i didn't i wasn't doing it as in like you know saying like hold my like i'm pointing two fingers at her and saying listen right. here that wasn't what i was doing i was kind of <laughs> like you know i was thinking about this and she reached up and she grabs my fingers and puts me into a finger lock yeah and i'm like what just happened you know if you got somebody about a finger just right they, yeah. they don't like it at all so yeah she's got a lot of martial arts training she's actually helped out teaching the kids classes a lot you know she'll get up here she used to help out with the workout classes well that's well. what i remember coming to a workout class and just and i was crossfitting at the at the time 
And I remember coming in thinking, this is going to be nothing. I'm a CrossFitter. <laughs> I know what workouts are like. She destroyed me in that workout. And she's smiling the whole time. <laughs> it was so intense. I could. I was like, I run. I do CrossFit. I was like, this is going to be. I'm just here because I'm being nice to Jeremy because he <laughs> said I should come. And she destroyed me. It was so difficult to stay up with her. <laughs> yeah, like I said she's, and I love how she does it, and she keeps that smile. Like I said, the entire time. Oh she's yeah, doing she it sure did. She, she loved, uh, she loved the, all the pain she was dishing out to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, Jeremy. Now a lot of your teaching is motivation based. You're trying to get people in good in a good mindset, good mindset to be a better person and a better successful person. Uh, when did you decide those were things you wanted to incorporate into your classes? I think I picked that up back when my knee got busted. Um, you know, I always liked the idea of, I'll put it on the umbrella of like motivational speaking. Right. You know, being out there because I grew up in the martial arts. I had a guidance counselors and every one of them, everybody I'd gone through either A, was a great example of what I needed to be or B, gave me the example of what I shouldn't do type of thing. That's yeah. the way I always kind of had it in my head. And, but I still got these little nuggets in my mind of like when they would tell me a story or they would tell me a secret. Like I remember the story about the kids, you know, getting taken out of class and you put one kid in this room over here and it had all the toys in the world, video games, everything. And he can play with anything he wants, but you're only going to be in there for two hours. And they took another kid and they put him in a different room and they said, hey, you're going to be in this room and it's filled with horse manure. But you're going to be in for two hours. Do whatever you want to do and come back. So they left the kids in there. And he goes back in there to go into the kid, this room over here, with all the toys, expecting him to be doing stuff. Little dude just sitting there with his arms crossed, his legs crossed. And they're like, why aren't you playing with anything? He goes, didn't want to get attached to nothing. You just went back in two hours. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's like, let's go check on another kid. So they go another kid. The other kid's in there. He is digging through the piles of manure. Like he's throwing it on the wall. He's trying to go there. And and they freaked out. They're like, what are you doing? He goes, well, with all this horseman doing here, I figured there was a pony somewhere. Uh, <laughs> I think I heard that story in like fifth or sixth grade that uh, somebody shared. And I'm like, you know what? Everything that I share in front of them, these kids are going to remember. And there's going to yeah. be something that goes with somebody forever in a day. What can I share with them? That keeps them in that. So that's that being that example, keeping the words going in the right direction. You know, having the mindset come up. Here's what you're doing to stress. Look what you've done. Look how proud you should be of yourself, of what you overcame in the classes, either by getting your next belt, right. by showing the technique. Because sometimes we'll do something inside the class, and the kid will do it. And he'll go, "That was that was easy." I was like, "You're right. That is easy now." But remember six months ago when you first tried that kick right. and you couldn't even stand up without falling over? Look how far you've come. And sometimes we got to be reminded of like, you know, look at what you've done. Look what you can do now. Think what you're going to be able to do later when you look back at what you could do now. Yeah, so you've taken some of those teachings and you are now an author. I am. <laughs> when I saw um, uh, you were had the opportunity to um, publish – some of your teachings in a book along with some other authors and a compilation together. How did that opportunity develop? So uh, one of my coaches that I, I worked under, um, I mentioned several people that I enjoy training underneath. And it's not just martial arts. You know, it's, I believe a lot of what we do with our teaching is communication isn't what we say. It's the response that we get. All right. And that, took, and that gives me so much more confidence in what I say now because then I you know I can fix what I got going on. 
All right, so one of the instructors I work underneath is like Michael Burnoff. The second one is like Sean Stevenson, who passed away a few years ago. All right, he was known as the Three Foot Giant. Yeah. And him and his wife Mindy have conglomerated this group called Lucra. All right, in Lucra, it was like people from all over the world, I believe, were inside of it. And Mindy was keeping it going even after Sean's passing. And she goes, hey, we want to put together a book called The Collective Heart. You know, there's so much in the world today that tries to pull us apart. It tries to divide us and forgets that we're all in this human experiment together. And it's like, my, I, she's like, we want to get your stories of what you've seen, what you've been through, whether it be like an angel that came out of nowhere that helped you out in the form of another person. Right. You know, whether it was something that, you know, you it's, it's got to be something that you experience that really moves you. And all of us got together. It's like 15 people, I think. And we all put this like uh, different stories into that one book. And they've all got great stories on it. Have I read all of them? I haven't. They've shared some with me. But mine was off of the idea of like that feeding families for Thanksgiving. Right. I didn't know that a person had won a raffle to have their daughter in classes with me for three months. You know, they got the uniform, three months, they were driving up, and this guy was in here helping us sort the food out. All right, he was helping us pack it up. Yeah. He helped us deliver it to the CUOC. And the next thing I know, my dude had disappeared. I'm like, where'd he go? He was in line to, to get, get a box of food. Right. We didn't know who needed the help. Because sometimes asking for help seems to be a weakness yeah. versus it being a strength to help us get further down the road a little bit faster. you know. So that was the story that I was able to put into that book. And she was the one, Miss Mindy Kness, took all the stories together and made it into that treasure that we have now right. called The Collective Heart. Yeah, so if you guys want a good read-through of all those stories, you can get to Collective Heart, probably find it just about everywhere, right? It's on Amazon for like 8 bucks, I believe, right yeah. now for the soft copy, or you can get it on Kindle for like $0.99. Cents. Yeah, yeah, go check out uh, Collective Heart. And on the day we released it through Amazon, we actually hit two number one best-selling parts in our categories on it, yeah. and a number two under uh, Victor, Victor Frankl's Meaning of Life or Meaning of a Man or something like that. Yeah, awesome. Uh, do you have any plans for any future uh, writings? Do I have plans for yeah. it, or am I going to do it? That's right? a great question. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> plans, yeah, I would love to go through like the whole you know, background of everything of the martial arts journey for me, yeah. from starting off as a kid that was basically being picked on to where we are at today with it. Right. That, I, I, I mean, because the idea would be like just reaching out to people and saying, look, the whole thing like with the knee, the whole thing with the arm, you know, I really believe that a lot of us have a calling to do something. Yeah. All right. And when we get further away from the calling, all of a sudden life steps in and goes, hey, here's a lesson you need to learn. If you don't learn the lesson, life keeps getting a little harder until you learn that lesson. But then all of a sudden the video game kicks in now. So now you're going to level two yeah. once you learn the lesson of level one. Right. Yeah. And life does have a way of putting things in your path or a Sometimes it's easy to see them, and sometimes you don't even realize. Most of the time, it's usually when you look back, you can see like yeah. the old song, uh, God Bless the Broken Roads, where you can see where the dots connected you to get to where you are now was right. actually the path that you were supposed to take. Yeah. At the time, we just don't see it. And I think life is fun with that, though, though, because like you'll, you'll make a statement, a proclamation of saying, hey, I'm going to start training in martial arts. I'm going to start training in Krav Maga. I'm going to start doing this. And all of a sudden, life goes, hold on a second, I'm going to throw something at you. Catch it. Yeah. And it's just basically a distraction to see if what you said was really what you wanted or were you just saying it. Right. And it's like it's, it's not necessarily a challenge. It's just a confirmation. And you get a chance to either A, realize I am really going to do this or B, I'm not. It's like, you know, when I started, I love what the one guy said, man, you know, start eating right, start doing good. And all of a sudden my neighbor shows up 
you know, I was at home making uh, sweet potato pies, and I thought you would want one. Right. Dude, we ain't talked in six years, and you just around <laughs> making sweet potato pies to bring me one. How does that what, – what is going on? Am I being punked? You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> yeah, sometimes uh, it's – I think people find it difficult, like, to make that change or to decide, you know, I'm going to do this. And then you do it for two days, and then you're like, hmm. Then you, it's like you said earlier, go back to what you know, and you fall back. It's really easy to do. And like I said, it gives you that chance to really, A, reaffirm it, or B, maybe it's time to reassess to go a different direction with it. That's right. And the perfect thing to reassess and take a different direction, folks, is to sign up for a class at BBLA. I see. And it. get in here with Master Jackson. And uh, you can get your help get your your not just your body in shape and get you safe from whatever's out in the world, but also get help you get some of those mind lessons. Uh, they get your confidence up. They get you feeling better. And uh, it's a nice little community over here. All right, Jeremy, I'm going to ask you about six rapid-fire questions. I love it. And they don't have anything to do with martial arts. It's just uh, same six questions I ask everybody. And it's neat to see what people's responses are. I like it. You ready? All right, so besides uh, your family, what's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen? Besides my family? Yeah, because every person's going to say their wife or their husband or their kids. Uh, but uh, besides family. Besides family, um, if I was to pick something, living organism, we'll say Kiki, our boxer. Oh yes, Kiki the dog. Yeah. All right, eleven years old now. She is still kicking it and kicking. doing well. It was with a staple it. here when I would bring Owen for classes. That, that was also his favorite thing. About yes, classes, everybody loved to see Kiki because she would hold a balloon in her mouth <laughs> and just she hold still it. Does. So he would always want to bring a balloon, and she wouldn't pop the balloon. She just held it by the little tab and just sit there with it. <laughs> yep, and play uh. Yep, booping it up in the air. Yep, oh, that's a good one. What's your favorite smell? Favorite smell, uh, steak. Nice. What is your favorite sandwich? Sandwich. Oh man, uh, Italian sub from um, or no, the Italian sub that becomes a pizza sub when they put the little marinara sauce on it from Subway. Uh, what, what's your favorite drink? Favorite drink right now is probably gonna be the uh, Monster. <laughs> I was staring at your drink over there. <laughs> Uh, what makes you happy every time it happens? Every time it happens. Finishing a race. Oh, yes. Uh, most definitely. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, I would agree. What advice would you give to little Jeremy Jackson back in the past? What would you – if you could just send one little nugget of advice back. Remember just – remember to believe in yourself. The pain is temporary. Pain is temporary, isn't it? All right, and Jeremy, I ask each person, uh, who do you think would be good to be on the podcast? Who is still doing what they do today that they used to do when they were a kid? Mike Waddell. Do you know Mike? Yes, I do know Mike Waddell. Well, I, I don't know Mike, but I know who he is. Yeah, because I've heard Lowe's Food and stuff like that. Yeah. He still plays in the band. I know him and another fella. Uh, uh, I, I assume they still hang out. Scott Griffin. Because yes. Scott used to collect yeah. a lot of the different like too. toys and things like that, and um, I've known both of them for a long time. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you run with different circles of people, and you don't know where those circles interact sometimes. And then you hear someone talk about somebody you know real well, and you're like, oh, I didn't know you knew them. Yeah, how do you know like, them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeremy, uh, thanks for being on the show, man. Uh, if you want to meet Master Jackson in real life, just come to uh, just look up BBLA online, or come right down here to Sanford, North Carolina, right off of US One. 
uh, come and take a class. You will be glad you did. It was nice to have you, Jerry. I appreciate the time. Thank you, sir. Remember, folks, find what makes you happy and do it. There's a lot of life out there to live. Take the time to enjoy it. Have a good week. Thank you.